everybody. Welcome back to Afros and Combos. Hey. Hey. All right. As always, like and subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on social media at Afros and Combos on IG. Email us at afrosandcombos at gmail.com. Check out the website at afrosandcombos.com. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Blessed. Blessed. Wonderful. Fantastic. (laughs) Doing great. I'm doing wonderful. Camille. Never let a day go by. All right. Um, Moving right along. Okay, because y'all don't got the joy of the Lord. Don't y'all feel my joy? (laughs) Blessed and highly favored. All right. Well, this evening we have a special guest on. Yeah, I caught it, but it's fine. (laughs) So we have a special guest on that Drea is actually going to introduce, and she's actually going to drive this episode. So take it away, Drea. Hey, so this episode is very special because we have a very special guest. Um, I might be a little bit biased, but let me tell you about her. She is an awesome businesswoman. She has multiple businesses. She's talented in so many ways. She also has a medical history, no, medical professional history, um, and she's my sister, so that's why I'm biased. So today we have Ashia joining us on the podcast. Yeah. Hey, hey, glad to be here. We are so excited to have you. And so basically for this episode, we wanted to talk about a subject matter that is very serious. We wanted to bring you some important information that is timely for this time of year. But my sister also has a certain level of expertise in this area, which is why we were so excited to have her come on today. Today, we are going to be talking about insurance. Oh, yeah. That can sound like a very boring topic, but it is actually very, very, very important for life and even afterlife. So um, that's why we wanted to talk to you about it today. So um, Ashia, can you tell us a little bit about why we chose to bring you on to talk to us about insurance? Sure. So I'm super excited to be here Um, with my medical background as a pharmacist. And now as a licensed insurance agent, I've really been able to look at insurance from several different sides. And I see the importance of having it no matter how old you are, no matter when you start. And it can be really complicated. And so even before I became licensed, I found myself helping people figure out what the heck their benefits packets we're talking about or Mm -hmm. um, just how to dig through all of that kind of stuff. So um, it's become a, a special kind of niche for me and I'm really passionate about it because it can make a difference if you choose the right or wrong thing. Yeah, that's you are absolutely over the years my go-to source for information as far as insurance is concerned. When I get a new job, it's like, hello, Ashia, here is all the information they gave me. Please tell me what plan I need. <laughs> so um, it's only right that you come on and talk about this on the episode. <laughs> So we're going to talk about two types of insurance today. We're going to talk about health insurance, and we're also going to talk about life insurance. So we're going to start the conversation with health insurance. 
So one of the things that I think is really important, but that a lot of people don't know is what are the key factors that I should consider when choosing an insurance plan? Like what, 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 what is the, the even basic things that I should determine are important for me so that I can go through a plan and see which plan has those things that I need? Okay, absolutely. And you're referring to health insurance. Yes, right? health insurance. Okay. Yeah, so so the key thing with health insurance is figuring out how much money you have and how much money do you really want to spend. So hmm. you can either spend money on the front end where you spend more money month to month. And so that when you actually go in for something, you spend a lot less then, or you can spend a little bit month to month but when you go in for something, hospital, doctor's visit, you may pretty much be paying out of pocket. So it makes a difference how generally healthy you are. Hmm. If you have some type of chronic illness where you know you're going to have to see your doctor every month or you know you're going to have to go in regularly, mm-hmm. then you may want to um, have a plan where every time you go in, you don't pay as much. But if you barely get sick, and you're pretty healthy, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty much just for emergencies for you, mm-hmm. then you don't want that huge chunk of money coming out of your check every two weeks right. and you're not using it. You show right. But, <laughs> yep. but, you know, kind of be mindful, keep some of that to the side. So if something does happen, then you can pay what you're going to need to pay when you go in. Okay. So that sounds very simple and reasonable as you explain it. Mm -hmm. But I know that in the information that you're given at a job or in other places, it can sometimes use terminology that I I don't know. I mean, when we had this conversation, Cookie, you you were very concerned about what (laughs) what is a premium and what is a deductible and not knowing the difference. Um, So can, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, What's a premium? What's a deductible? What is a copay? What does in-network versus out-of-network mean? Like, what are some of these terms that we should be familiar with? Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to premium and deductible specifically, mm-hmm. those are terms that are used across every type of insurance you have. So just mm-hmm. like with your car insurance, your premium is your monthly payment. How much you pay every single month. It's like your membership fee for being able to even use the insurance. Then your deductible is when something happens, how much you're going to have to pay out of pocket before the insurance will cover anything. So for example, if your deductible is $250, that means any charges, $250 or less, you are going to have to pay the entire thing before your insurance company will touch it. If your bill was $500, then you know all you have to pay is 250 they're going to pick up the rest so in that way it's very similar to your car insurance and i think that's a little bit easier to think about sometimes um, with how it works so that's premium and deductible then when we get to copay copay is how much has already been negotiated that you're going to pay at every visit but it's always after the deductible has been met so even if your card is you got a $10 copay. Mm-hmm. If your deductible is $500, don't get excited about that $10 because you won't be paying $10 until after you've paid $500. And then after that, every time you're seen, then it'll be 
ten dollars. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So even if mm-hmm. I have a ten dollar copay, I could end up paying more at the doctor if I haven't met my deductible, which is that cap that I have for the year. Exactly. So when you're choosing a plan, then you need to think about if I had to, if I ended up sick, had to go in, what's the most I could really fork out of my pocket at any one given time? And that's one of the things you want to think about when you're choosing a plan. If you know $5,000 is not what you could really hand over if you had to, Mm -hmm. then you (laughs) may not want to choose a plan with a $5,000 deductible. Now, if your deductible is high like that, your premium or your monthly payment is going to be pretty low. So it's offset. Mm-hmm. If you want to have a lower deductible of like $500, $250, then the amount you're paying every month is going to be a little bit higher. Okay. That that seems simple enough. Yeah. And then when it comes to the in-network and out-of-network. And, and so, okay. So we're talking about all these terms that you see on your different plans. So let's say you have one plan that's called an HMO, right? And then you have one plan with a fancy name and it's got PPO behind it. So an HMO, okay, kind of looks like home. That means that there's only certain doctors that you can see, okay? Those plans are typically going to be cheaper, but that's because those doctors have teamed up with the insurance companies to say, we're only going to charge so much, but you have to go and see them. Hmm. So if you end up wanting to see somebody else, they're probably not going to take your insurance at all. And you would have to pay the whole thing out of pocket. Hmm. The PPO, you're going to pay more for each month, but you have the flexibility of pretty much going to whoever you want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where the in-network. In-network means you're those Doctors are on the list of people that you can see that's in that network. Out of network means they're not on that list. And if it's an HMO, you can't see them. If it's a PPO, you can see them, but you may pay a little bit extra to see them because they're not in the network. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait. So you're saying if it's a PPO, I can go to those doctors and the insurance will still cover it, but I'll have to pay some extra? Yeah, your copay will probably be higher. So like on your card, you may see in-network, $50, out-of-network, $65. But if I had an HMO, there isn't even an out-of-network option. I'm just going to be paying for it out-of-pocket. Exactly. You have to see a certain list of doctors. So if you need to do the HMO because that's where your budget is, then yeah, do the HMO because that's better than nothing. But you might want to try to get a list and see... Who are the doctors that's on this list? Is my current doctor even on there? Or maybe somebody I want to go to? Or would I rather pay the difference? Because I'm not really feeling any other people on this list. Hmm. Okay. Wow. That is so much clarity. I honestly am not guessing you. I did not know that. Yeah. No idea. (laughs) (laughs) I barely knew what a premium and a deductible was. I'm taking notes. (laughs) Aishia, what about the difference between HSA and FSA and all those like different uh, like uh, accounting things that can go into insurance? Okay. All right. So the HSA is a health savings account and the F as in Frank, 
SA is a flexible spending account, okay? So where they are both the same is that it's almost like having a separate little bank account where you can use for medical things, okay? So one of the accounts, the HSA, typically the HSA is always partnered with a plan that has a very high deductible. Remember, the high deductible means you're pretty much paying out of pocket every time you see somebody. But what you can do is up front in your check, you can sit a little bit to the side that'll automatically go into that account. So when you have that doctor's visit, then you're paying out of pocket, but it's not like money that's coming directly out of your budget. It's money that has been set aside. And then the FSA or the flexible spending account is very similar to that. It'll have a debit card attached, um, but it's not necessarily usually associated with a high deductible plan. A lot of times you can get those regardless of the plans. Now, the really kind of cool thing about it is that um, you're able to get tax benefits. So just like how, let's say you work a corporate job and you know, off top, I can put XYZ over into my 401k mm -hmm. and it's going to lower the amount in taxes that I have to pay. So you can do the same thing with a health savings account because it is like a savings account. And so that money can come right off of your check off top and then it gives you tax benefits and it's sitting to the side for when you need it. Now, it's really cool because if you spend a lot of time at your job, like you're putting in some serious time, mm -hmm. some years, a lot of times those accounts will roll over and in some cases may even gain interest just like hmm. a um, savings account would. Mm -hmm. And so you're able to dip into that um, after, year after year after year. Hmm. I didn't know that. Okay. So and those are, those are portable, correct? Exactly. Exactly. So you can take them, you can take them with you. Now with the, the HSAs, you can. Now with the flexible spending accounts, mm -hmm. you do have to be careful because sometimes it's only tied directly to the benefits package mm -hmm. at that job. So if you know you're leaving, you got 30 days or 60 days left. You better be trying to go find some Band-Aids or some <laughs> NyQuil or some something over the counter that you can use that money because you've already set it to the side and you may not be able to take it with you. I know one of the things for me that was really attractive about an HSA was that my employer would match my contribution. Yeah up to a certain amount. Exactly. So the HSA, if you think about it, it's a health savings account. So it has some of those same benefits like a savings account, just like your 401k is a long-term savings account and you got tax benefits, matching benefits. It's almost like an investment, but a medical investment, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's really good. Mm -hmm. So I know for myself, I don't really think about health insurance at all until I get a new job mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. hand me all these documents <laughs> that I don't understand. Um, but if I didn't have a corporate type job or a full time type job and I'm, you know, in my 20s or Hey, 30s, 40s, 50s, whenever you want to be doing this. And I'm maybe working part-time or I'm 
I'm waiting on my dreams to manifest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But they they ain't fully manifested yet. Um, and the way my situation is set up, ain't no job offering me no health insurance. Mm-hmm. What what does someone like that do? Is it like, hey, I'm young, I probably don't need health insurance or <laughs> Okay, so that's what you don't want. To do. <laughs> okay, okay. So don't do that. <laughs> I mean, but if if I want okay, you're telling me I do need health insurance. Mm-hmm. Where do I start? What do I do? What does that look like? Yeah. So what I'm telling you is that I'm not telling you that you need health insurance. What I'm telling you is that you need a health plan Hmm. so that your health can be consistently monitored and maintained. Okay. So let me break this down. This is what I'm saying because I'm about to get super excited about this because people traditionally think about health insurance. I know it's connected to my job. Mm -hmm. And then if I don't have a job where I'm in between jobs, then I'm just screwed because I don't have anything. Mm -hmm. I'm out here trying to find a free clinic Mm -hmm. or I don't have to go to the emergency room or urgent care. And then I'm racking up all these bills that I can't afford because I don't have a job. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) that's what most people, but I will. So let me give you a couple options that you probably never thought about. The first one is called direct primary care. Okay. You might even hear it called concierge medicine. It's a really cool concept where you pay a membership. Like, is this like that show? Royal pain? Yeah. Is it like that? This is exactly like that show. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now you don't have to be living in the Hamptons. Right. Cause those, those people was balling. <laughs> you can absolutely, you can absolutely get that. And a lot of times it's much cheaper than your insurance because these physicians are able to bill you directly. They don't have to deal with the red tape of the insurance. And you kind of get to have a doctor on call. Hmm. So some of these plans for an individual single may only be $60 a month or hmm. so. Very, oh. very reasonable. Cookies. Uh, now, what you got to do Let me get my pen ready. Why do I sign up? How do I get on that? Like right, exactly. So very, very reasonable. And some of the benefits are that you have access to that particular physician. So you're able to email them. You're able to text message them. You're mm. able to call them. If you get sick, you're able to reach out. And within 24 hours, somebody's going to respond to you and they can write you a prescription. Mm. Oftentimes, these doctors also have partnerships with pharmacies and other places so that you can even get direct medicine over the counter things from them. And it's a whole lot cheaper. They have partnerships with labs. So what happens, and I'm not saying you should not get insurance. Don't, don't, Mm because I know everybody, everybody like, shoot, I'm getting rid of my my insurance too. Oh, texting people now. That's what it sounds like to me. I am not telling you to get rid of your plan. Disclaimer, disclaimer. But what I am saying is that you can still be healthy without having a plan as long as you have some type of connection. Now, the downside to that is your membership is with that doctor. Hmm. So if you end up having to go to the ER or something like that, your doctor is not going to meet you Hmm. over at the ER. They they ain't got no privileges over there. Uh, No. Hmm. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So if it's like, you know, strep throat, running all that type of quick care stuff Mm -hmm. and your maintenance, you can do that with them. But like for true emergencies, 
you may want to look into just like an accident or critical illness plan hmm. where you have a separate plan that's only for emergencies. But all of your like primary care type of stuff, you can just do that directly with them with a membership and you don't have to pay all of the costs. Also, then a lot of um, even surgeons, they'll give you a cash pay discount mm -hmm. because a lot of times the prices are marked up because they know that people are going to use their insurance. Mm -hmm. So if you come in and say, hey, I'm paying cash, then oftentimes you get a much cheaper rate by being able to do that. So not having insurance technically could save you money. But if you're going to go that route, you need to be connected into like a direct primary care or something like that. Second option real quick is something called a health ministry or like a cost sharing ministry. Okay. So mm. it's literally like, okay, you know, when your business, you wanted to start your business and you did the whole crowdfunding thing, everybody, let's put our money together. Let's yeah. get a GoFundMe kind of going yeah, yeah. on. Mm -hmm. Same thing with medical issues. So it's where you have this huge community, oftentimes Christian, and they share each other's medical burden, so to speak. Hmm. So you pay every single month, just like you would to an insurance company. Okay. So a lot of, some of these organizations have been vetted by the um, Better Business Bureau, um, by the Affordable Care Act. They're considered legit. Okay. And you pay directly to them, just like you would a premium. And then they'll cover your medical costs. And some of these plans I've looked at, like the most you would have to pay out of pocket for like deductible or something is like $500. And then they pay everything else, oh, wow. no matter what you've got going on, whether it's maternity, pregnancy, surgeries, all kinds of things. And there, and it's literally Christians all over the world putting in money to help carry the medical loads of everybody that's a part of this group. Wow. wow. Yeah. Do I have so, to know the Lord to be a part of it? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> that's a good question. They typically, usually they do have rules. Now, I mean, they're not going to come and knock on your door and make sure that you're praying <laughs> twice a day and all that. But generally, when you kind of sign the agreement to say you want to be a part of this community, mm -hmm. then you're committing to say, hey, I have a relationship with the Lord and I'm going to pray for some of these people that have more serious mm -hmm. medical issues mm -hmm. in addition to paying my premium. Plus, I'm also going to um, maintain a lifestyle that would be honorable. So yeah. there are some things they won't pay for. Like they may not pay for unwed pregnancies. Um, oh, and, my. And, right. So oh, and it just, it, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it depends on the community um, and the guidelines, but just know, you know, that disclaimer is out there if that's the route that you want to go. Okay. So if I'm a person and I'm like, man, one of those things sounds amazing to me. I want me a concierge Royal Pains doctor. Or I want to go link up with Christians across the world. Uh -huh. What is the first step that I take to try to find information to find something there? Absolutely. So if you're wanting a Royal Pains concierge doctor, what I would do is I would Google like direct primary care near me hmm. or concierge medicine near me. 
And that's exactly, it's going to be a membership type of thing. Um, and I hear the keyboard <laughs> right in, in the background. Camille, <laughs> like, I'm ready. Camille is currently Googling these things. <laughs> Definitely. If you, if you want um, to go the Christian route, then um, Christian Health Ministry is the largest um is the largest program like that it's been around since 1981 it's in all 50 states and around the world because they have programs for missionaries and all kinds of stuff Mm -hmm. um and so i would start there Mm -hmm. and then maybe branch out from there if they don't meet your needs but it's hard to believe that they won't be able to wow that is valuable information that i feel like nobody is talking about Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I have only ever been presented with here's this packet my job gave me. I had no idea there was even another option. Yeah. Wow. That's really good. Okay. So the last little bit of health insurance that we wanted to talk about, I know sometimes, you know, things come up, you go to the doctor, maybe you go to the hospital and it can get kind of tricky as far as, okay, I went, it was an emergency. So I had to go. But now I don't know what's my responsibility to pay. I don't know what my insurance is supposed to be paying. How are you supposed to navigate that situation? Or are you provided with something that's supposed to tell you this is your responsibility? This is your insurance responsibility? What what does that look like after I've already gone to the doctor? Or Well, most of the times at the doctor, I feel like they give you a bill up front, mm-hmm. don't they? But like... I know for myself, like an ER visit, mm-hmm. I got about 15 bills from the, the janitor sent me a bill, I feel like. <laughs> Four months later. Everybody wanted some money. Yeah. And I was like, wait, hold up. Do I genuinely owe each and every one of you? How do I determine what's my responsibility and what's not? Yeah. So you should be given some type of explanation of benefits or something like that with your insurance plan. Now, off top, the information that you're going to get is going to be something really vague that's going to say something like, of the total bill, you're responsible for 20%. But like you said, where it gets tricky is, I didn't realize I was going to have 20 bills that I'm paying 20% of. Mm -hmm. So that absolutely, (laughs) right, that absolutely adds up. But what I would do is I would ask questions. Like I think that especially if you work in corporate and you get your benefits package and you have maybe two or three things to choose from, oftentimes what we do is we sign up for something and then we don't think about it until we have to use it. Yep. But we need to be calling HR hmm. and we need to be, you know, once we get those cards, there's all kinds of numbers on the back. That's true. Let's call some of these people and say, you know what? I don't want to get surprised if something happens to me. Can hmm. you tell me if I end up in the hospital? How much am I going to have to pay? Mm. And if I see something outside of this number, then I will know something went wrong. Mm. Guide me into knowing what I'm supposed to be looking at. Because honestly, it's different from every plan. But unfortunately, it's up to you to do the due diligence to know what that is. And because they know people aren't going to pay attention, Mm -hmm. then I'm not saying hospitals getting over on people. Mm -hmm. But what I am saying is (laughs) is that they could very easily be sliding some things in there 
and you're not necessarily paying attention to that mm-hmm. or you so it's so confusing. And then also another thing I would always do is there are so many people that do not pay their hospital bills. Mm-hmm. So hospital bills can usually be negotiated mm-hmm. no matter what the bill is. You need to be calling the financial department of the hospital and say, how can I get a discount on this? If I go ahead and pay this off right now, can I get a 30% discount? Hmm. Or if I can't pay you until 10 years from now, will you cut me a deal so that I only have to pay half? Because really, you don't care however it is that you can get a discount, right? If you got to stretch that thing out to be able to get a discount, or if you get a discount from paying up front, typically hospitals, depending on how they're set up, you can always negotiate all of that stuff because mm. they just want people that are going to pay. Girl, where was you at? <laughs> when I tell you, like Drea said, I'm getting 20, 30, but my, literally, my child's one bill's still coming. Like, I don't understand. I mean, I'm exaggerating now, but no, <laughs> bill's coming like literally six months after I had her. Wow. Six months. Like, so yeah, that's correct. Where you was at? <laughs> Girl, I'm gonna negotiate everything. I get back. <laughs> Hospital, watch out! You ain't getting the full about my mouth. That's really good. So I feel much more informed about health insurance. Yeah, absolutely. I feel yeah, I much more well equipped to go out and face the world and open enrollment and make good decisions. Oh, good. <laughs> but another thing that we really wanted to talk about is life insurance. I think it's all too common for people to not even think about or consider life insurance until they have a baby Mm -hmm. or until maybe they buy a house or until, yeah. Or, or, or you might get shook for a little bit when, when big mama gets sick and you like, Ooh, well she died. And it's like, Ooh, well maybe I need to, but then they wear off. (laughs) So, I mean, question number one is if I'm someone who is pretty healthy, I'm in my twenties or my early thirties. I don't have any of those big financial responsibilities. Is life insurance something I even need? Absolutely. First, first and foremost, what is life insurance? Like, okay. what is that? Yes. So life insurance is designed so that while you're living, you can pay a small amount for a larger payout after you die. So it's designed to cover your expenses. Now, it could just be your basic expenses like, am I going to be cremated? Am I going to be buried? Am I tossed in a lake? What's going to happen to my body when I leave here, right? And how much is that going to cost? People, I just, I just people, wanted to provide another okay. option. Okay, I was like, <laughs> people begin tossing lakes out here? What? You know what happened, though? That happened where? It was like this one place where they're... Uh, this mortuary, their crematorium broke down and they was literally putting the bodies in the lake, in the back, and they was just... Passing out like fireplace ashes. Oh my god! Years before they got caught. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Anywho, that that was a little segue. Okay. Okay. So I was just joking, but I didn't realize. Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. So it's designed so that your family, because they're already having to carry the emotional burden of you not being there. 
that they won't also have to carry the financial burden of you no longer being there. And the thing about life insurance is the younger you are, when you get it, the cheaper it is. Hmm. And so that's why everybody needs it. And it makes sense for you to start younger to get it because if you wait until you're older, it's going to be super expensive. If Hmm. you wait until your health fails, you may not even be able to give. If they know that you're more likely to die, Mm -hmm. why would they give you a policy that is probably going to be cashed in on in the next few years? It doesn't make good business sense. It doesn't make sense. So you want to be able to qualify while you can and get it. And honestly, depending on what type it is, especially if it's term, I know we're going to go into some of the different types, then it's a lot more reasonable than you think. It just makes sense to have it for that peace of mind. Okay. So I think that's a really good segue. Like what whole, whole and term, those are terms I hear a lot. What, what does that mean? Yeah, so this is where the two different schools of thought completely disagree, okay? Hmm. I'm pretty sure you have heard the people that say, it doesn't make sense to pay that for whole life insurance. You better be getting term insurance. And then the other school of thought is, why in the world would you get term insurance? So in a nutshell, this is what it is. So whole life insurance covers you for your whole life. That Hmm. means... All the way up until age 120, this policy is in place and can be cashed out when you die. Hmm. This, this one policy will cover that whole this, time. This, this one policy. So okay. let's say, let's say the face value of the policy. So if the policy is a $30,000 policy, as long as you keep paying the premium, mm-hmm. it's going to be in place all the way up until age 120. Mm-hmm. So no matter whether you die at 60, 80, 100, 120, your family will get 30,000. If that policy is worth 300,000, your family will get 300,000 at that time. Term life means it's only good for a certain term. Mm-hmm. So if it's a 10-year term, it's only good for 10 years. Mm. Okay. So you can imagine it's super cheap because the likelihood of you dying within the next 10 years is pretty low, especially if you're healthy. And so it's for you to say you have something Mm -hmm. in case an emergency happens. But once again, every single year you get older, the more expensive it is to purchase insurance. Mm. So if you are 25 or 30 right now, you get your policy in 10 years, you have to get another one. Mm. You're 30 or um, I can't even, you're we'll have 10 more years older. <laughs> I'm like, what was my example? Okay. So you're 10 years older at that point and it's going to be more expensive than if you do that in 10 more years. Yeah. So you can get to see how it's, it can be um, cheaper on the front end but more expensive on the back end. And then that policy is only good for that term. So if you have a 20 year term policy and you die beyond that, you don't have any insurance at all. Hmm. Cause unless you renewed it, it was only good for 20 years. That's that actually makes a lot of sense. Whole, whole life term (laughs) for a term. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Simple yet profound. Okay, so 
I know I need life insurance now. Mm-hmm. Thank you. How do you know how much you need? Yeah. So, and this is the thing with life insurance that I don't think a lot of people will tell you. There is not one cookie cut formula for everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what you need to figure out is what is my financial responsibility right now? And what will my family be financially responsible for if something happened to me? Hmm. So let's say, for example, student loans, okay? Well, if they are <laughs> if they are federal student loans, then according to the US Department of Education, you are not responsible. Nobody's responsible for paying those after you die. Okay. Hallelujah. Okay. I ain't know that. Girl, you ain't know that. Oh, oh, baby. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to die, but I'm just saying. So, right. So your family won't. But if you got private loans, then Mm. those have to be paid after, after you die. In addition to that, let's say that you bring in. Uh, $50,000 a year and your spouse is bringing in $75,000 a year. Well, that $50,000 or $75,000 is contributing to a monthly budget. Yeah. If yeah. you're gone, that monthly contribu- contribution goes away as well. So what you want to be thinking about is I want to make sure that my policy has enough to cover the debt that they are responsible for mm-hmm. and what that looks like varies. If you live in a community property state, the state may say that your spouse is responsible for using community property to pay your debt. It can really get to be just really, really kind of sticky um, what you're responsible for when you die or what your spouse is responsible for. If you have a loan together, whoever's left a lot of times has to assume the financial responsibility of the entire loan. So if you have a mortgage and it's a joint mortgage, mm-hmm. you probably need to be trying to get a policy that's going to be able to help take care of the rest of the mortgage yeah. or that person's going to be left with it. In addition, you can get more than one policy. Okay. So you might say, hmm, okay, I heard you talking about this whole life. It sounds good. It'll be in place until I'm 120. But the monthly payment on those whole lives can be pretty steep. Mm-hmm. So you might say, I want to get a smaller whole life policy, maybe 20000 or so, something that's going to cover my funeral expenses. Mm-hmm. I know it'll be there for the rest of my life. But then I want to get a term life policy that will just replace my paycheck for my kids or mm-hmm. it'll replace my paycheck for my spouse. So I can get a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollar term life policy, even as for the next 30 years, it's just replacing I will probably be working for about 30 years. Mm-hmm. It replaces the money I would be bringing mm-hmm. in. After that point, my life is gonna look like whatever it would look like in retirement anyway. Yeah. So I want to get a bigger policy and just only use that to cover my paycheck. You can set it up to where it's distributed every single month or twice a month, just like your paycheck would be mm-hmm. and not a lump sum to your beneficiaries. So think mm. about how much money your family's going to need when you leave. And mm. then think about um, what's going to work for you. And you can kind of mix and match to tailor it to what you need. That's good. Oh, that, that, I didn't know you could do that, girl. I didn't know that. <laughs>
Oh. <laughs> we learning all the things. <laughs> <over life. laughs> yeah. I looked up community property states and everything. We got it one, y'all. We okay. Bless God. Okay, so this next question literally came from me personally. Um, so <laughs> if say I am in my 20s or I'm in my 30s and I don't have any kids and I am currently unmarried, so I have a policy, but who do I name as a beneficiary? Me. How, Kika. Uh, Kika. You name Kika. Uh, no. no. Your sister. <laughs> like, how do you determine who your beneficiary should be? Because I know commonly it's, oh, a kid or a spouse. But okay, if those options aren't on the table, what does that look like? Okay. How do you determine? Is there a hierarchy of start here? If you don't have this person, go there. If you don't got that person, what does that look like? Yeah. So then let me ask you, if you don't have any of those other people and you died, who would be financially responsible to pay for your funeral? What names come to mind? Who would be called? Who would um, be beckoned to the funeral home and be said, hey, you're responsible for paying for this? Actually, I thought about our parents first. Okay, then those are the people that you need to have as your beneficiaries. Hmm. And then you can always change it. Yeah. So yeah. if your parents are the ones that are going to be called to be financially responsible, then they need to be the ones getting the money to pay for it. Mm. So that's what your beneficiary is. They benefit from being able to now have the finances to pay for whatever it is. And then once your situation changes, you have kids or you get married, change your beneficiary. Then you can also have primary and secondary beneficiaries. What does that mean? That means that as long as the primary person is living, all the money goes to them. If something happens to that primary person, then you have a secondary hmm. person that the money would go to. But I think when you think about beneficiary, we're not just trying to, you know, send people to the mall to go shopping. You right. know, this is, <laughs> okay, yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, I want to be able to buy you a new car. So I'm putting you down as my beneficiary. But sometimes that's what it looked like on yeah, TV. So true. it's like, what is that? Okay. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what kind of, some people kind of do, unfortunately. Um, but oftentimes, even with those lump sum payments, they don't realize there's not anything else coming after that. Hmm. So if you got a hundred thousand and you went and spent 60 on a car, this person is gone. Mm -hmm. And so there's not anything else coming after this. So first needs to be the person that would be financially responsible for paying for everything. Cause hmm. I'm going to tell you right now. Funeral homes want their money and they ask for it up front mm. oftentimes before they get started doing anything. They want to know who's going to pay for this. How is it going to be paid and how much do you have today? Hmm. Hmm. Wow. wow. So if you had a policy, you would be able to say, because I mean, how fast do policies pay out? So it depends. Um, some policies are able to pay out, you know, and wire funds. Hmm. within a few days or so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Other policies, um, I mean, insurance policies are almost kind of like bank accounts in that the insurance companies make money the longer they keep the money. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, some policies take more time to pay out. And that's one of the things you want to be asking when you're signing up for a life insurance policy. How long does it take y'all to pay out? 
when mm. when something happens to somebody. Second thing is, and that's a good point, you want to, or whoever the person is that's going to be taking care of the final expenses, negotiate that price because before mm. they know how much the policy is worth. Okay. Mm. So just like we're negotiating at the hospital before somebody dies, mm-hmm. then what ends up happening is once they see that your policy is 50000 or 75000 guess what? All of a sudden, that casket just got a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, some of this other stuff, because they know it's going to pay. Mm-hmm. So go in, negotiate the price Ooh. of everything first. Tell your people, look, get this price negotiated, or you can even make some arrangements now while you're living. You know, get the price negotiated, then let them know that you have a policy in place when the price has been locked in. Hmm. Wow. Okay. So this may be completely beyond the scope of your knowledge. Is there somebody, is, is that a job? Do people do that? To negotiate prices? Yeah. With like, cause I'm just thinking if my loved one died, I'm probably not going to be thinking about mm-hmm. negotiating no casket prices. Can I hire Susie Esquire to go up in there and, Here's my policy. You go represent me on my behalf and you go negotiate my stuff and let me know how much I owe. You know, I don't know. I don't know, but it does sound like, I mean, I can see where it's needed. And yeah, people grieving. Absolutely. And in some cases, there may, if there's an attorney that's like responsible for the estate and yeah. things like mm-hmm. that, then that may be a responsibility that you want to discuss with them mm-hmm. that, hey, this is what I need for you to also be able to do for the family to get, you know, negotiate that. Okay. So it's very important to have life insurance, yes. but I would also think it is equally important for your beneficiary or your family to know that you have life insurance. Yes. Because you're not going to be here when it comes time to actually cash out the policy. So what what do I need to do now while I'm alive <laughs> so that this money actually benefits my family once I'm gone? Yes, I'm so glad you asked that because millions of dollars go unclaimed in insurance every single year because the policies are in place, but the family doesn't no. know where it is, who it's with, what to do, how mm. to access it. So first thing is you want to write it down. And I know it might sound a little bit scary. Like, why would I put my policy information? If you have the physical policies, make sure your family members know where that stuff is. I know I've asked you, mm-hmm. where are your insurance policies? Mm-hmm. You know, so so that if something were to happen, I would know where your stuff is. So make sure they know where those policies are, or at the very least, get your policy number, the company that it's with, maybe how much it's worth, write that information down and put it in your house somewhere. Make sure that your top three people or top five people, whoever, mm-hmm. know where to find that information mm. and how to access it. And then they can just reach out to the company um, in order to file a claim. Wow, that's so good. Mm. This, I think this, <laughs> girl, I'm taking notes. I'm going to be make sure my stuff is in order. I think this is the first episode where so we have all taken yeah. so many notes and yeah. learned so many nuggets. I mean, I worked in mm-hmm. HR and I'm over here like, I ain't need yeah. <laughs> I got life insurance policies and I'm meeting with my guy tomorrow. I'm like, let me ask him about this. That's good. <laughs> 
Okay, another question I have, and this can be life insurance, health insurance. This is just a general question. Okay. Um, how often should you reevaluate your insurance policies? I know for me, I think about my health insurance when I have some sort of I get a new job or every year when they like go go and re-up because it's a new year or whatever. Mm-hmm. But life insurance or even health insurance, should I be doing it more often or less? Or when do I need to be like, oh, okay, I've secured these policies, but when do I need to look at them again? Yeah. So with the health insurance, if you're working a corporate job, then you evaluating it every year is kind of built in mm-hmm. because they make you choose again. Right. So don't just pick a plan when open enrollment comes back around. You want to be asking yourself if you were one of those that maybe you chose to have more of a monthly premium that you're paying every month. And you said, well, shoot, how much of this did I actually use? Do I really want to have less coming out each month Even if I had less coming out and put a portion of that in a savings account for something, whether it's like an HSA, like we were talking about, or just your own personal account, and then be prepared for a larger deductible, would that work better for my family? Or Mm -hmm. do I kind of want to switch things around? So you want to always evaluate it based on your financial situation, because a lot can happen in a year, Mm -hmm. a lot. And so you want to reevaluate it. Evaluate it based on where you are financially. So I would say at least every year um, for health insurance, even if you don't work corporate, then open enrollment mm-hmm. um, for like non-Medicare. So everybody younger than the age of 65 happens towards the end of the year every single year. Mm-hmm. So November the 1st to December the 15th is when the government says, hey, you have the opportunity to change your plan. Outside of that, the only time you can change it is if you change your status. So you get married, you have a baby, or you change jobs. Okay? And they do that because they want to make sure you're not just getting insurance right before you get sick because you know mm-hmm. something is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you want to evaluate that every year. For life insurance, I would say still keep in mind what your financial situation is. But even with that... If you don't have a lot of changes in your financial situation, then I would reevaluate that maybe every two to five years. Hmm. But um, if you do have any changes in your financial situation, like you make a major purchase like a house, mm-hmm. then now you want to make sure that life insurance kind of encompasses that. Mm-hmm. Did you get married? Do you now have children? Um, have I mean, you want to make sure that your policy reflects where you are in life and that it is updated and relevant to where you are. So anytime any of those changes happen, then you need to be looking at your life insurance policy. But outside of that, if everything's pretty much the same, the amount of money you make is the same and everything's kind of staying the same, then I would say maybe every two years to five years or so. Hmm. Wow. That that is very good to know. So as kind of a, as we wrap up, mm-hmm. I just have kind of one additional question for you. If there was one or two just really key things that you were like, man, I really wish I had known this sooner, or I really wish I had known this 10 years ago or whenever, 
what would those real nuggets be that you you want the people to know? Okay, so top three things. Um, thing number one would be to realize that there's no cookie cutter method for everybody. You can pretty much mix and match any and all this stuff to meet your needs the way that you need to. And there are some amazing companies out there um, that can actually help you in order to do that. So they're able to help you get your life insurance, your health insurance, kind of everything um, together. So Policy Genius, policygenius.com is one of those places where um, now they don't have the health insurance part but they have the life insurance and some other things with some advocates that aren't insurance agents. So they're not getting commission, but you're able to kind of see everything at one glance. Um, and then assurance.com or the health um, marketplace is another place where you can see a lot of policies at one time. So that would be the first thing. The second thing is don't assume that if you ever find yourself without healthcare insurance, that you don't have any options. That would be my second thing because unfortunately, regular health maintenance is important and it shows up so much later. Mm -hmm. So even if you find yourself, you know, in a two year or five year time span where you don't have that consistent insurance, don't just say, oh, well, I can't go and get my yearly checkup or I can't get my, no, you need to start exploring your options. Mm. Like we talked about some of the direct primary care um, and just figure out what it is that you can do and don't assume that you can't afford it because it's probably an affordable option mm. um, out there for you. So that would be the second thing. The third thing, and it's not as relevant for me right now, but the third thing is, Everybody that's a parent or desires to be a parent, mm -hmm. I would say, of course, the younger you are, the cheaper your policy is. You can sign your newborn up for a whole life policy hmm. that is going to be in place for their entire life. And it's like pennies on the dollar. I mean, mm. you can get for less than $10 a month or so you can get a really good policy and then they're even able to add to it as they get older to where, I mean, by the time something, you know, to where they get to the age to where most people die, they could very well have six figures of insurance, hmm. whole life insurance, and not really be paying pretty much anything hmm. for it because you started it, um, so early for them. So it just makes sense to go ahead and get them a policy immediately so that that's in place. And as long as you keep paying the bill, they'll have it for the rest of their lives. Wow. I feel like I've said that so many times this episode, but I, that was good. I, that was I, great. I don't know what other word more accurately sums up my astonishment. Yeah. <laughs> so this was a great episode. Mm hmm. Thank you Yay. so much Thank for you. the wealth of knowledge that you brought to the table. I know I feel smarter. What about y'all? Yeah. yeah. I feel like I'm a little <laughs> adult now, girl. I said, I know how to do it. No, I'm a, I'm a negotiator now. That's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, man, thank you so much for coming on. It was a joy to have you. You brought so much great information. 
And yeah, I think that that is all that we have for you all. Some of those useful links that you just mentioned, we will have posted on our page. So be looking out for that. And again, thank you, Ashia, for coming on. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Yeah. And so we will holla at you later. Bye. 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 Bye.